Welcome to episode number two of the Sobriety Blueprint podcast. This is the men's guide to thriving in recovery and life. I'm your host, Jonathan Sylvester. Before we hop in, guys, whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple Music, or you're watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave a review. On this episode, I'm going to be speaking with Clifton Gillick, who is the co-founder and marketing director at KickPops. He's going to be sharing a little bit about his journey in recovery, what it takes to build a popsicle empire, and some of the more challenging aspects of running a business in sobriety. And for those of you who want to get your hands on some of these award-winning kick pops, I'll have something special for you at the end of the episode if you stick around. So uh, Clifton, man, really awesome to have you here with me. Thanks for coming on once again. Yeah, appreciate it. Anytime. So, uh, so man, so we, for the listeners that, that don't know this, I, I've known you for a little while now. We went to high school together. Uh, you were a couple years behind me, but we were definitely running in, in kind of the same circle to some degree. May, I don't want to say we got in trouble together, but may, maybe we did at some point. <laughs> no, I don't think we ever got in trouble, but we definitely ran around with the same crew. Yeah, same crew. And, uh, but, you know, honestly, man, I, I know part of your story uh, but I want you to tell me a little bit about uh, some of your struggles with, with addiction and just what was going on before you got sober over four years ago. Yeah, well, so for me, it started, um, you know, pretty young, um, between somewhere between middle school and high school. And um, I want to say like any of my using or anything like that was out of the ordinary in high school, you know, like I was smoking weed and going to parties on the weekends. Um, but what I did see now looking back is it like steadily progressed. And so by the time that I, um, you know, graduated from high school and was going on to college, I had developed a pretty severe opiate addiction to where I was using every day. And, um, you know, from there, things got a lot worse. Um, at, you know, certain points, I, you know, kind of lost everything, my car, my family, broke up in all those relationships and, um, you know, things got pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you did a lot of what, what I did. And I, I'm just going to say probably what a lot of guys like us do, like we keep crossing that line, right? We keep setting these boundaries. Like, you know, for me, it was like, oh, I'm not, of course, I'm not going to get high at school or going to school or whatever. Or of course, I'm not going to get high at work. And it's like, or, you know, uh, during the week. And it's like, you just keep crossing those lines, right? Doing those things you said you would never do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like, you know, every, every time, like I said, some sort of goal or boundary like that, like, okay, so I'm not going to use till Friday or anything like that. You know, it's like, you know, a couple hours, maybe if not less before I was like, you know, with my friends, like smoking weed or skipping school and going over that church parking lot and, you know, doing all sorts <laughs> of crazy things. Yeah. The, the old church parking lot, a lot, lot went down over in that parking lot. Yeah. So, uh, so, so and, and tell me, man, what do you feel like your, what was your moment, would you say, or, you know, I, I don't really know if I like to use the term uh, rock bottom so much, but, but where were you? What was going on? What, what was kind of the defining moment where you started to turn things around, so to speak? So for me, it was like, it was like a handful of things that had happened. You know what I mean? It's like looking back, like I knew that I needed help and that like I had a problem like way before I got help um, just because of the like physical addiction, you know, like I was waking up every morning, I was sick. Um, but for me, it's like, 
you know, like I, I had rock bottoms that like, you know, it's like treatment calls it, but every time that rock bottom got lower and lower, you know what I mean? So like, I was a variety that like, unless I got help, like there was going to be no bottom. Like I was going to, you know, die or end up in prison or something, you know, way more serious. Um, but for me, it was mostly like a combination of legal trouble, um, the physical aspect, which I mentioned. And, um, you know, luckily I had family around me that um, kind of knew how to care for me without enabling me. Um, Cause I have a lot of family that's in the program and, you know, so that honestly was a huge help. Yeah. Yeah. That that's awesome, man. It's great to have that, that support. And, and once again, what you're touching on is, is how this is a progressive disease. Right. And, um, and I'm the same way, man. Like I, I think there's, for me, there was kind of this like roller coaster, like maybe there would be some, some high points, but every single time I hit that low, it always got worse. Like it was never, you know, I, I would tell myself like, oh, it's going to get better this time. It never, ever got better. So, so that's awesome, man. So um, now did you, did you go through treatment? Did you just work your way into AA? Like what, how, how did you come t- into recovery? So like this time around, um, in this length of sobriety, which I have a little over four years, um, it's actually kind of like a pretty crazy story. So I had been to treatment before I'd been to, you know, inpatient detoxes for a few days before I tried outpatient. I, I tried a combination of everything. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then this last time around, um, I actually, um, you know, voluntarily checked myself into a treatment center and, um, you know, while I was there, I really dove into the work and all the therapy and CBT that they offered and stuff like that. But then um, two days, three days um, after I discharged, I violated my probation for leaving Harris County and on top of failing numerous UAs. Um, so I spent the roughly like the first, I think it was like the first 13 months of my sobriety, like institutionalized, whether that was treatment, jail, or then I actually went to a Harris County treatment program, which was basically jail with like a couple classes every day. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. And, and so then you just, so, so what, what was the process for you? So, I mean, you, it sounds like you did something similar to I did. It was basically this point where it's like, okay, I, I'm going to, I'm going to put in the work, right? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to put in the reps into this deal. I'm going to do the work. And, and so just to get into this a little bit, was it basically, get a sponsor, start going to meetings? Like what, what did that look like for you? So it was, it was all of the above, um, you know, but for me, like, like I said, I'd been to treatment before and it had, you know, someone caught, someone caught hold. I was participating, going to meetings, but I didn't do the things like you just mentioned, you know, I didn't get a sponsor. I didn't really find purpose in my life. And, you know, shortly after, I can't even tell you really when, cause I wasn't really keeping track. Like I went back out like, it was a choice I made. And hmm. so this time around, it was, I wouldn't say that I like hit a bottom or anything. I saw it start to get worse and, you know, something in me just was like, I I can't let it get there. And, um, you know, so while, you know, I was in treatment and in jail, like I actually going to just sober and sobriety was actually like kind of constructive for me. I was able to read a whole lot of books. Um, I, you know, had a family member that would come visit me on a regular basis and, you know, we kind of roughly worked through the steps in the book, but, um, like sort of like a sponsor sponsor relationship, okay. just like way, way more loosely. And, um, you know, then when I got out, I got a sponsor, I was in sober living and I went to, you know, probably more meetings in that first, I don't even know how long it was, you know, 60, 90 days than, you know, I've been to in the last year. 
Wow. Um, okay. And so I kind of really just dove myself into it. Um, you know, at that point, like I had enough that I didn't want to lose that it kind of motivated me to do those things. Yeah. Yeah. You were just like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. With right. It. Yeah. And, you know, I'd seen with numerous friends, you know, what the alternative was. Um, you know, I'd had a handful of friends go to prison for two, five, 10 years, you know what I mean? And then like, I've had at least a dozen friends, you know, pass away, whether that's, you know, been a drunk driving accident or, you know, most of them have been from fatal overdoses. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, I'm with you, man. I mean, um, I think now, well, so, so we know a couple of the same people over in, uh, you know, that one cemetery over off of the Washington, I always forget. Yeah, yeah. But, but anyway, yeah, I mean, it's a crazy thing, man. I think I know like a, a dozen people over there. I mean, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. So, uh, so you, you started getting into the work now, j just to kind of skip ahead here, because I don't want to spend too much time on that because man, it's, you know, one of the main reasons I really wanted to have you on dude is because I see you as a guy that like, you're the guy that I think of when I think about like what I want this podcast to be about, like guys that have really benefited and built like awesome fucking lives after getting into recovery, you know? And I think that's such an awesome thing, man. And it's like, I think that, that what more guys need to know is, is it like, it, dude, it doesn't have to be miserable. Like life and sobriety doesn't have to be miserable. It doesn't have yeah, to, absolutely not. you know, it doesn't have to be like this shitty thing where you're just like, you know, feel like you're, you're barely getting through or anything. Like in my mind, it should be the complete opposite. You know, it should be. Yeah, absolutely. Enjoyed where we're growing. So your life is really different now. And, and speaking of that, man, like I wanted to ask you about this and we were chatting a little bit about it. You recently got engaged and I, I saw some some photos and I don't know if it was like a drone shot or what it was, but it was a pretty awesome picture, like overlooking a cliff. So t tell me how, how all of that went down. Well, so me and my fiance have been together actually before, um, I got sober, you know, she was part of the reason that, um, I went to treatment, you know, roughly four years ago. Um, she, we, when we met, we were sober and like independently relapsed and she saw like my downfall happening a lot quicker than hers and kind of went to get help. And, you know, we obviously had some mutual friends and some close friends that, you know, held her and both I accountable. And, um, you know, so we kind of worked through it and then, you know, we're here four, four and a half years later. And, uh, we went out to New Mexico. My family's got a cabin out there and we, uh, I think it was like a nine, nine, 10 mile hike. And we had a couple of friends with us and like, they, they knew the end goal of that hike, you know what I mean? But she didn't. And so we're like halfway up, like thinking about, we're like, should we turn around? Like, is this, is this a good spot? And, uh, you know, we got up there and it was, it was just an amazing view. And, you know, it's just like also pretty surreal. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So, I mean, I'll ask you this, man, because when, when I proposed to Elizabeth, it, it was kind of like a similar deal. And man, I could barely get the words out. Like, and I don't yeah, even. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so were you pretty? And and she tells me that like she didn't even like. She was so freaked, you know, freaking out about it that she just didn't even hear what I was saying. So, were you pretty right. nervous when all that happened? Yeah. So I like I, I like even forgot to get on one knee. Like I, I, you know, I was a mess. And she like was so freaked out. She was like, "Oh, what's, what's this in my hand? This is my phone." And threw her phone and like broke her phone. Oh my and like, God. so, I mean, it was just like really exciting for both of us. And, uh, that's awesome. You know, it's like, it's so funny that we get that way because like, I wouldn't ask if I didn't know what the answer was. Sure. Sure. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. it's, it's like this weird, like, I don't know. It's just funny. 
That's awesome, man. That That's so cool. Well, congrats to both of you guys. So I, I want to talk to you about Kick Pops, man, because uh, w- once again, one of the reasons that I wanted you to come on the show is because you've been been building this business, man. I, I've just love, I've been loving to see the the journey of all of this, man. So, um, and I want to ask you a little bit about how it started and everything, but but Kick Pops is, uh, man, you guys, in, last year you won uh, Best Dessert, uh, People's Choice by uh, Taste of the Town, along with a bunch of other awards. So tell me how this this actually all came about. Like, how did Kick Pops actually start? So it's kind of funny. Uh, my aunt and I started it, and she's also in the program. She's got 20-plus years sober. And, um, you know, when I got out of jail, like, I think – hindsight like looking back like I needed purpose I didn't know that then but I think she kind of did and so we you know she'd been talking about it for years before I ever got sober and it was a matter of timing but also you know like I was newly sober I was out of jail I couldn't really find a job and so it was like all those things kind of just clicked together and um, you know slowly it's become like a sustainable business and you know we've been thriving these last two years that's awesome man that's awesome You, you know so let me ask you about that I mean how important do you think it is you know, because a, a lot of what I talk about, like with the guys I coach and everything, and and a lot of, of what I really think is important is that, um, you know, just just realizing that sobriety is not enough, right? Like that's that's really just the beginning. And even the, the big book of AA talks about that, you know, it tells us that, that stopping drinking is just the beginning. So having that purpose, like how important do you think that is for for guys like us coming into recovery? I mean, so for me, like it is like one of the most important things um, for me to like not get sober, but maintain that sobriety. Um, Because if I didn't have purpose and didn't have things to live for and things I valued, I I wouldn't be able to stay sober. You know what I mean? I'd revert back to that old me. And for me, like the most two most important things are, you know, having a purpose, which can be a variety of different things. You know, it can be a business. It can be helping others. That's why the big book mentions so much because early on, it's all you really have to do. Yeah. Um, you know, it can be your family. I mean, there's a whole variety of different things that it can be. Uh, and then the other thing for me is like establishing relationships with other men, because that's something that I'd never had in my entire life, you know, like, and it's just, I can't, you know, stress how important both those things have been. Yeah, yeah. No, man, I, I mean, and I think you're absolutely right, you know, and I think it's, I know for me that what really saved my life, you know, just touching on that, that linking up with other guys was really, sitting in it wasn't a 12-step meeting it was actually when i was in treatment but but sitting in a meeting and for the first time like hear other guys tell my story you know and, and the value in that is so important that you know when i hear guys say that they're like scared to get sponsors or, or stuff like that it's like man that two seconds of social awkwardness of asking another guy for their phone number whether it's just you know like a guy you like what he shared in the meeting or a sponsor i mean dude it can literally save our ass right yeah absolutely so yeah and i'm glad you point that out because that is just super important so back, back to the business here when when you guys started kick pops or uh so so how old is the is kick pops now um so it's about four years old um you know we kind of started playing with the idea in um doing taste testings with family and friends and stuff like that but it wasn't a business yet you know what i mean um and man those early days were just were just crazy you know like we had no idea what we were doing (laughs) yeah well so and man that's that's really what i want to ask you about i mean just in terms of of starting a business in general what do you wish you had known uh starting out 
Man, that's like, I think a really like loaded, like hard question yeah. because like there are so many things, um, you know, cause I got into this business with no like culinary experience, like no food or beverage or restaurant background. Um, you know, I was a personal trainer, much like yourself for a long time in a yeah. lacrosse coach. And I went from that to, you know, a frozen dessert manufacturer and, um, you know, so a lot of it was trial and error. And what I now, like, you know, what I wish I wouldn't known in the beginning is like how fast we would have grown because that would have saved me a lot of headaches and a lot of money in the beginning. And I, you know, looking back hindsight, I wish we'd just gone all in from the very beginning and not like, is this going to work? Is this not going to work? Um, because even if it hadn't have worked, we would have found out a lot sooner and I'd have been on to something else. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah, that man, that's a really great point, actually. Like just going all in basically is what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's either going to work or it's not. And like in my experience, it's like you have to give something 100% or it's not going to work regardless if it was a good idea or a bad idea. And so it's like in the beginning, we we didn't really know what we were doing was part of it. But also it's like we weren't really sure that it was a viable option. But it's like you're never going to know that until you put all efforts towards it do it. Yeah. So what what you're touching on right there man is how I think that that business and entrepreneurship and and recovery have a lot of parallels, right? Because it's like man, if you half ass this thing, you, yeah, yeah. You get half like well with recovery, you're going to get half ass results. Like it may not work out, right? But it's the same thing with 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 business. Like I mean, I feel like I don't want to say obviously you guys are doing something right, but you know, if you go half ass into business, I mean, man, it may not work out right so that's man that's a really really great point so i know so you're working with your aunt and and i know uh that you have other friends and family that are that are working with you guys and some other guys in recovery so that's got to be pretty awesome so tell me about that a little bit yeah so up to this point um i'd say the vast majority of our employees both past and definitely present um have been in recovery and you know it's it's pretty awesome um, kind of experience and relationship because like I get to like see these girls and guys like you know grow professionally and like in their sobriety you know what I mean and it's like it's it's actually really profound um, you know what I mean it's like it, it has its drawbacks but it it has been a really awesome experience yeah that's pretty cool man so t tell me what is the latest like what are you guys working on right now so I can't really say specifics. You got to tell me. No, I, that's <laughs> what I can say is that we um, this past year have kind of tried to like pivot um, our business model. In the past, we've been primarily mobile events and catering, corporate catering, birthday parties, mm -hmm. and although that's worked well, there's just a lot of factors when it comes to trying to forecast sales, whether it's weather or you know events change from year to year. So there's just a lot of unpredictability, uh, unpredictability to it. Yeah. But um, so this year we've tried to go more into obviously catering because catering is a great business, but also into wholesale. And so over the next um, probably six weeks, um, you'll see a lot of announcements through our social media about uh, new stores that we are bringing on as our partners. Wow, that's awesome. So now are you guys in? I, I actually see and I don't know, like I really want to know this. So are you guys actually in some stores right now? So we are not in any big box retailers like HEB or anything like that, but okay. we do have, um, we are partnering with Landry's. And so we are at the downtown aquarium, uh, wow. the pleasure pier down at Galveston. We'll be delivering to Kima um, on Thursday and a couple more of the, their locations in the coming weeks. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And, and so let, let me ask you about 
just in terms of growing the business, like what, what do you think are some of the bigger lessons that you've learned there? I mean, through trial and error, you figured out where the business model should be going, right? Kind of what you just explained there. But what, what do you think are some of the bigger lessons you've learned in terms of actually scaling this thing and, and just deciding where it is you guys, like how to actually grow? Yeah, well, so one of the biggest lessons that I've learned overall is like the importance of leadership and the people that, you know, you have around you. Um, you know, like I can go buy, you know, $100,000 worth of equipment and packaging and, you know, that sort of thing. But if I don't have someone good that I can trust that, you know, knows how to sell the product, like, you know, it, it's a pointless investment. And, um, you know, so that's what we've really realized over the last, I mean, it's been a process, but over the last couple of years is that like, the people we hire and the people that we bring on as employees are much more than that. They're a lot like family, but um, you know, those are the most important, that's the most important facet of our business. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, so, and what I kind of hear you saying is just this, this idea that, that there needs to be like a, a real, a real tribe, right? A real team and the people that are on your team definitely need to believe in what it is you're doing. Right. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, not only that, but it's the type of people too, you know what I mean? It's like, similar to us. And like, you know, it's a thing about, you know, addicts and alcoholics is that like, most are like really awesome people and, you know, don't have any problem, you know, approaching a stranger or talking to them and like are real personable, you know what I mean? And like, people like really do love us. And, you know, it's a great quality that a lot of us have. And, you know, so that's also a benefit of, you know, working with people in recovery. That's man, that's a really good point. And I love that, dude. And yeah, you know, you're, you're so right, man. I mean, once again, and you're an example of this, but I, I see so many guys that look, man, we shouldn't even be here talking right now. We, we shouldn't even be here having this conversation. I think one of the coolest things that I saw early on in recovery is I saw these guys that had, I would hear these amazing stories of these guys that had this rap sheet, like a mile long and like, you know, had done all these crazy things and live, live this crazy life. And it's like, you know, they should have died 30 times and like, you know, just all kinds of stuff going on. And these guys beat the odds to where now they have, you know, they're not just sober. They're not just, you know, staying sober. They're, they're building this awesome life and they're building these really successful businesses too. And I'm like, man, that is, that's incredible. You know, I mean, that says a lot to me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like the people that I've met through, you know, recovery and, you know, people I've met through those people like are some of the just like most amazing people, you know what I mean? Like there's literally like through that network, you can find someone that is like almost good at anything or, you know, has a connection to something you may need. And it, it's just a really awesome resource. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool, man. So I hear you saying, you know, and I know you're running a business, so you're, I'm sure that the day to day is, is pretty crazy and you're working on a, a ton of different things. So how do you ensure that you keep your, your recovery on track during all this? Uh, that's a really good question, you know, and I'll be the first to tell you that it's like, it, you know, my recovery on a like daily or in even weekly basis um, looks very different from the week before, you know, there's some weeks where like, you know, it's pretty easy and I don't have much to do. And, you know, I make four or five meetings and get to talk to a lot of people. Um, you know, but for me, the biggest thing is that I've surrounded myself with, um, people, both family and friends that, you know, really do care about me and I've established those relationships. And so it adds that extra level of accountability 
Um, you know, like my fiance sober, my aunt sober, my grandfather sober. There's about a dozen of my friends that I grew up with from, you know, when I was playing little league that are sober. And it's just like with all those people around me that know like the like intricate details of my story, you know, it's way easier to be held accountable, you know? And like, that's the biggest thing that I stress today too, is that it is really hard for me sometimes. Like it's hard for me to be honest sometimes still to this day, four and a half ish years sober. You know, like, I don't know why it's so hard. Like, I, you know, my fiance will come home and be like, what'd you have for dinner? I haven't ate. It's like, there's tacos in the trash. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know why I'm wired like that, but I just am. And, but, you know, I try to be honest with all those people around me as much as possible. And for the most part, I do a really good job. Um, And that I think is the biggest thing that helps me maintain my sobriety for, you know, especially these summer months when I'm super busy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that's a great, great point, man. So you've, you know, I think you've done one of the things that my first sponsor told me that really, like when I first heard this, I'm like, no, dude, I'm not doing that. You know, he basically said that we have to figure out a way to bring our life and our recovery together. Yeah, we have to figure out a way to to really bring them together. And I've seen seen that, you know, you've done that for sure. And I think that's, that's really awesome. And I, And I'm with you, man, you know, I need people around me that that know what is going on. And and like we were talking about, like with this podcast, for instance, like as much fear and, and all kinds of other stuff is wrapped up in like people knowing my story, like, man, that's probably better on the accountability end that like my parents and, and people close to me know some of those details because then they can call me on my bullshit. Yeah. You know, they, they know what's going on. If something doesn't look right, like, you know, they can call me on it. And, and I definitely need people like that around me. And, and so asking about the, the recovery as it relates to uh, kick pops and, and your business, I know one of your, well, I'm assuming it's one of your big sellers these days are, are the boozy kick pops, which have, do they have liquor in them or? Yeah, so we actually are permitted to use liquor. So we make a lemon drop vodka, salted watermelon tequila, and a peach honey bourbon. Okay. Um, so we they are 7.5%. You know, enough of them will get you drunk. Um, and, you know, yeah, they're, they sell great. Well, so I wanted to ask you about that. So, I mean, tell me a little bit just about, you know, you're, you're in a position where you're working with alcohol. I mean, what, what kind of effect, if any, does that have on you? You know, so that's, that's funny because... There was a time that I couldn't have imagined, you know, being around whether it was drugs or alcohol and, you know, not, you know, drinking or using or partaking in whatever event was going on. Um, but, you know, in the, the, the big book talks about it too, but it's like, I came to a point to where like, you know, it's like I recoil from a hot stove, you know what I mean? And it's like, there's just no desire. And, you know, that obsession really has been removed. You know what I mean? It's like I, I go up to my office every day and there's a full rack of every type of liquor that you can imagine because people give it to me like, here, make this custom order. And they give me 10 times as much. You know what I mean? And it's like I have to call my fiance's friends that drink and be like, here, y'all can have this. I'm never going to use it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and it's like it's something I do have to be careful with, though, too, especially hiring people that are in early recovery. And so I do make sure, you know, to ask them, you know, like, how do they feel about it? And if they're comfortable with that, you know what I mean? But um for me, it's just really a non-issue. Yeah. Okay. And, and man, you know, that's part of the reason I, I asked is because I assumed that was kind of the answer you would give me. And, 
you know, I, I think the deal is, and, and you just pointed it out, you know, the big book talks about it a lot. It talks about recoiling from it like a hot stove. It talks about uh, being, you know, we can do anything if we're spiritually fit and we're doing the things that we need to be doing and using our tools. But, you know, I think the bottom line is, man, is that we can do whatever the hell we want and be wherever we need to be if we have, you know, legitimate reason to be there, right? But also if we're, if we're really doing this recovery deal. And, um, you know, sometimes I think that people, especially guys early on, and, and I think I kind of thought this to some degree maybe, that I would never be able to be around alcohol again, that I wouldn't be able to do things like go to concerts or music festivals or, or any of the stuff that I do. And I know because of kick pops, you've definitely been doing. Um, and that's just not the case, right? No, not at all. You know, for us, you know, we participate in a lot of those events and, you know, we're at music festivals, you know, a dozen times a year. And for me, you know, early in sobriety, you know, like that was comforting, you know, what people told me that like, you can still go anywhere because like, I needed to know that because if like that wasn't the case, if I had to like avoid it at all costs, like it, it just wasn't something that I saw was feasible. You know what I mean? And it's like, I, I still to this day, you know, have a lot of good friends, like, you know, my family, a lot of people that go out and they drink and they, you know, have fun. And like, I'm now today able to partake in those things. And, you know, it's, it's fun. I'm able to be present and it's just not something that I personally need. And, you know, like, it's awesome being able to get off those people because they respect that space. And it goes back to the brutally honest thing too. When someone is at a bar is like, Hey, you like, what you want to drink? Like I tell them like straight up the dead honest truth. And I promise you, they don't ask again. Yeah, right. Yeah. They're not trying to give you any free stuff. They're not sneaking yeah. anything in there. You know, like I avoid that. Oh, no, it's, I, it's okay. I don't drink. You know, I tell them like, look, you give me a drink and, you know, we're going to be like in Miami tomorrow. We haven't slept in days. Like you're, all your money's gone. And they're like, oh, okay. Like, sorry. Yeah. Better not give this guy a drink. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, man. And And I really, and that's a good point, man. I think I needed to hear that too, you know, that what I was told is this, you know, we talk about the changing people, places and things. And I think a lot of that we do have to do permanently. Like, I'm not going to go hang out with like any drug dealers and stuff like that, probably, you know, uh, and, and put myself in certain situations. And, and I, I know guys that it, like certain things are just never going to be comfortable for them and, and to each their own. Right. But, um, but I know that, man, I needed to hear, and especially we're younger guys too, like, man, I want to be able to go out again. Like my wife is not in, in the program. She's going to drink her family drinks. Like, what am I just supposed to like lock myself in my room and, and not do anything again? Like, no dude. And, um, you know, that's, that's not realistic. That's not how the world works. Um, but also that would suck too. So I think one of the things that, that I needed to be told is like, Hey, you know what? Like some of this stuff you need to change for good. Some of it, you just need to change temporarily until you get your mind right and and you get on the right track with your recovery and then you can kind of revisit um some of these things I, that was my experience at least yeah yeah absolutely you know at first you know i definitely needed to avoid certain situations um just because i you know like you said i wasn't spiritually fit i wasn't comfortable with my own recovery and so until i was i definitely needed to avoid those people's places and things but you know also permanently you're right like i have no business being over off the beltway and business at two in the morning you know what i mean like that's a place I need to avoid. Yeah. Yeah. Stay out of there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. So let me ask you, so what do you see as being the most difficult part in terms of running a business in sobriety? 
yeah, there's a couple things. One is like maintaining like somewhat of a normal schedule because like left to my own devices, I would treat work exactly how I treated using and, you know, drugging. You know what I mean? Like I would be there constantly, you know, and obviously that's not realistic. Obviously I'd burn out, you know, and I, I would be a lot less productive, but that's the type of person I am. And um, so that's one hard thing. Um, another is, you know, um, I'm trying to think about how to word this, but like basically just like not being a piece of shit, you know, like there's a lot of things in business that you have to do that like don't necessarily like go parallel with the principles of, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous. And it's like, you know, like that, that's okay. Like I try to practice those principles in all my affairs, but there's just certain situations, especially like, you know, there's a lot of people that are wanting to take advantage of small business. And, you know, I've realized over the last couple of years that it's like, it's all right to say no. Like I don't have to say yes to every opportunity that presents itself and, you know, exposure isn't going to pay the bills. And a lot of, I'd say those couple of things were definitely the hardest thing about running a business. Okay, man, I'm, I'm with you 100% on the not being able to pull away sometimes. Yeah. You know, and, and so that brings up a, a really interesting point, though, I think. I mean, that's something about being an addict that, you, you know, I, I think it's important for us to see just like kind of how our minds work, you know, and, and to a certain degree, I don't think we're going to be able to change a lot of that. But the cool thing is we can point it in the right direction, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, but, but I'm with you on, on, you know, in terms of we need some kind of balance there. And, and that can be tricky sometimes. Absolutely. And, and so I know, you know, things just like basic stuff, man, like having structure, like setting up a schedule and, and things like that um, are, are really helpful in general, but definitely to make sure I'm not just like constantly overdoing it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the most recent things I've started to do is that like, you know, typically like after five, unless we have an event that's running late, like I don't answer emails anymore because you know, it was becoming an all night thing, you know, I was on my phone constantly and it's still a struggle, um, you know, and especially with running social media, you know, and replying to comments and messages and this and that, it's like, it, it really does help to have structure. And, you know, that it took me a long time to realize that and it's something I'm going to probably always be working on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm with you on that, man. I've heard like guys will do things like, you know, they only answer emails at certain times of day, you know, like the beginning of the day or the end of the day, or, um, you know, one thing I've, I've, I've been slipping on this a little bit lately, but it's just like, I don't even bring my, my phone into the bedroom, you know, and, and different things like that. Cause you can, man, you can just go crazy with the 9 million notifications that are, that are constantly going on. And, and as a business owner, like I'm, I'm sure like it does on me sometimes it can, it can definitely wear on you a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, it, you know, it goes back to it's rooted in like, you know, the fears that I work through on my four step, you know, the fear of missing out. Like, I'm not, not the fear of missing out on like, you know, some social event. I have like the fear of missing out on that potential money. And, you know, especially in this day and age where, where it's like you have an email on your phone instantly, it's like, I'm not the only popsicle business. But at the end of the day, like, there's plenty of business out there. And, you know, like if I'm waiting for business to come to me, then that's probably a bad sign. Yeah. Man, that's, that's, that's a really good point. And, you know, you bring up something right there, man, that I, I've seen a lot of guys, and I have to check myself on this, but I've seen a lot of guys go out over, and that's chasing the money, right? Ch chasing the money in, in terms of whether it's something completely legitimate or still trying to kind of 
still live in that dirty lifestyle that we used to live a little bit, right? And you were talking about that, like some of the stuff that just doesn't quite jive with like, you know, these principles that, that we've uh, started learning and hopefully that we're um, living by. So ha have you seen any guys kind of get wrapped up in that or, or have any experience with that? Yeah, you know, I, I have. I, there, you know, I, there's a couple people that were um, real instrumental, instrumental in my sobriety early on that I, you know, kind of feel like they tapped into and they kind of lost sight of, you know, the more important picture, which is like, you know, living a fun, happy, you know, fulfilling life and obviously staying sober. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's sad and it's something that, you know, scares me sometimes. But, you know, end of the day that, you know, I think as long as you keep all your things in order, you know, we'll all be all right. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, dude, uh, before we wrap up here, okay, uh, we've got a, a little something I want to do here. So these are going to be three rapid fire recovery questions for you, okay? So I I'm going to shoot these out to you here. I don't want you to overthink them. I just want you to give me an, an honest, genuine answer back as quick as you can here, okay? So right. the, the first thing I want to ask you is, uh, what do you think the biggest mistake that you made earlier in your recovery was? Girls. I mean, it's that simple. Like, you know, I, my fiance might be mad if she ever listens to this, but like, you know, I made that mistake with her. I made that mistake with a lot of girls before her, you know, and it's like, I don't know why that was a priority when I was like trying to get sober and straighten out my life, but it was. And, you know, I got lucky that this time it worked. Yeah. Yeah, man, that is that is honest. And that's something that's another thing, like, even more so than the money that I've seen a lot of guys uh, go out over. So I, I definitely appreciate you sharing that. So number two here, what, what's one piece of advice you would give a guy in recovery that wants to start a business? I would give them the advice to do it. You know, like, I wholeheartedly believe that, that this is like one of the best experiences that I've you know, ever had in my life, regardless, like, you know, say I'm unemployed tomorrow. I honestly believe I'd still believe that, you know, I've learned more in the last three years, um, running a business and, you know, operating, you know, all these different facets of the business. And I, you know, it's like, I go back and forth with this with my mom and my family all the time. It's like college versus like what I've learned the past three years. Like I've learned more in the past three years than I ever did in like, you know, high school and college. And um, so I just suggest that anyone give it a try, even if it says on the side as a hobby at first. Yeah, man, that that's that's awesome. And I mean, I don't know about you, man. I I didn't, I wasn't attending high school as much as I should have. But... I mean, the fact of the matter is that you know we'll we'll not mention you know the public school's name, but like you know there was just way too many of us that fell through the cracks. And you know I went to private school up until high school and it just was so far behind that it's like, I, I just was bored. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know that I could use that, that same, uh, same excuse here, but I, I know what you're saying. Exactly. Like this is school, right? I mean, you're, you're learning stuff about business, stuff about problem solving, like you said, leadership, which I'm really glad you, you touched on a lot of different things that you're just not going to learn until you get out there. And man, there's a lot of, I don't know about you, man, but there just as it relates to my recovery, there has been a lot of spiritual and personal growth that has had to happen. Like I, I've just had to, I've, I've had to become a, a new person for sure. Yeah. I mean, definitely like a lot of, for me that a lot of that spiritual and personal growth has like come through the business. You know what I mean? And it's like, 
early on, I like set all these goals and, you know, looking back, like I was talking to my aunt about this, that it's like, I, we hit every single one of those goals that we set and it had nothing to do with what we did. You know, like it, it was, it really was God doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. You know, like there was no reason that I hit those goals other than like just all these different coincidences happened. You know what I mean? And it's like, it was pretty awesome. And you know, it, it's just kind of crazy. That's awesome, man. I love hearing that. And, and, no coincidences, right? Yeah, no, definitely not. So the last question here is, man, is I want to know what your biggest, craziest out there dream is for Kick Pops. Man, I would love to see us in like almost every professional sports stadium, you know, especially with those boozy pops. I think that's like a definite, like definitely an added amenity to, you know, fans attending those games. Um, and, you know, on top of that, like I you know, really see us, um, you know, vying for a spot as like a, one of the top frozen dessert manufacturers. That's awesome, man. Yeah, dude. No, I, I hope to see that myself, man. That would be, that would be pretty amazing. And I know you guys are just going to continue to grow. There's going to be more coming along. Um, and I'm definitely excited to see that, but, uh, Clifton, I just want to thank you for coming on, man, for being my first guest. I, I knew I wouldn't be disappointed uh, I want to wish you and your bride to be all the best in the world. And, and like I said, I'm excited to see uh, Kick Pops continuing to, uh, to blow up. So speaking of Kick Pops, I mentioned that I'd have something special for you guys that listen uh, all the way through the episode. So in the month of September, if you hit up Clifton, you can just go to kickpops.com uh, during the month of September. If you mention the uh, sobriety blueprint podcast, you'll get 20% off your order. You sure you want to do 20%, man? That sounds like a pretty, pretty big discount. Well, so look, uh, we're going to do 20%, but what I'm also going to do is next week, we'll make some of those banana pudding that you've been talking about. Oh man. Okay. See, I, man, I, I those look those look like the best to me, man. So we we've definitely got got to get some of those going in. And I drummed up some other interest in them, as you could see. They're definitely one of the most popular flavors we do during the fall. Yeah, yeah, man. No, I've I've definitely got to try that. So uh, make sure you hit up uh, kickpops.com. You can follow them on social media. And once again, it's kickpops.com. And again, guys, whether you're listening to the show on spotify apple music or you're watching us on youtube please share this with your friends share this with your brothers in recovery uh subscribe and leave a review you can find all the information on the show in the show notes at the sobriety blueprint.com slash podcast uh if you want to learn more about the recover you coaching program you can go to recoveryou.net. but guys until next time keep thriving in your recovery and life and i'll talk to you soon